Welcome, fellow traveller, to the Tent Talks podcast, where we fight bad ideas with good ideas. Join Dr. Stephen Backhouse and friends as we pursue the renewing of our theological, social, and political imagination. Hello, my name is Shay Martins Allen, and I have been given the wonderful privilege of doing a podcast for Tent Theology. So, first of all, a bit of background about me. I am a black woman who has lived in London all my life. I'm 35 years old, married to a white man, and I have a mixed race child, the quintessential modern London family. I've watched this country become increasingly diverse over my childhood. I was the only black child in my all white girls private school, which now has so many black and mixed race children in it. I couldn't even count them on one hand when I last visited. My own child racially is a common feature in London. There are so many people who look like her. Television has completely transformed from when I was a child. There is such a variety of cultures and races that my toddler is totally used to this. Afrobeats is now mainstream rather than being that annoying music my parents wanted to put on in the car all the time. Admittedly, it was more Felicuti than Wizkid. We've even had a mixed race president of the USA in my lifetime and a black first lady, which if I'm honest, I never thought I would see. So the fact that we have our first Asian prime minister in the United Kingdom, this should have impressed me right? An Asian man has become prime minister. We have an Asian woman as home secretary. We had a black man in charge of the economy until that went rather wrong. And there is a mixed race man in charge of our foreign policy. The first time all of these key positions have been held by ethnic minorities. So I found myself asking myself, I should be very impressed, right? In some ways, I really am. The representation is good and I'm happy that children will now see that this is perfectly normal. I do believe that if you see something as normal in your consciousness as a child, this has an impact on your subsequent views. Despite the fact that politically I'm not really a fan of any of these people, I was still impressed with the diversity. Yet there was also something about it that made me feel a bit uncomfortable. And the person who made me feel the most uncomfortable was actually Kemi Badenoch. She has Nigerian parents, I have a Nigerian father. She has mixed race kids like me, a black woman with similar heritage, the closest person to look like me actually coming, becoming pretty, pretty close to becoming prime minister and now with a top cabinet job. I was confronted with my own reflection almost. I should have felt happy, impressed, a belief that yes, someone who looks like me can be in top positions in government. That's how I was told I should feel anyway. And yet I did not. My initial reaction was actually fear, mainly because I disagreed with 95% of her views and I didn't feel represented at all. The white male politician on the stage during the Conservative leadership contest, Tom Tugendhat, was actually speaking much more my language. I was impressed by her supposed willingness to tell the truth, but it wasn't my truth. And it got me thinking about why I was having such a strong reaction to her in particular. Why, when I was confronted with my own reflection, did I have such a negative reaction? Was I jealous? Was it the fear of the unknown? Was I reacting to her being a black Tory and presuming things rather than actually listening to what she was saying? Or was I worried that white people would think that this is how most black women feel in the UK? The further and further she continued. And actually, to me, she felt very unrepresentative. What exactly was it? I am fascinated by ethnic minorities in public life, and I personally am a lover of diversity of thought. Ethnic minorities are not one monolithic group and there is a huge diversity within communities. Cuban Americans vote very differently to Mexican Americans. British Africans vote very differently to British Caribbeans and British Bangladeshis vote very differently to British Indians, all for very different historical and social reasons and also 
because they just want to vote for a particular person. And there is always a freedom of choice. Attempts to group us all into one block don't work. And that is actually where I find common ground with more right-wing ethnic minorities who are sick of people and politicians assuming that they will be left-leaning because of the colour of their skin. Yet for me, many of them go too far and do end up looking a little bit like the poster boy slash girl for more sinister white extremists who want to use them as their poster boy slash girl of their cause if they get the ethnic minority to say they hate immigrants. Then it's legitimate to hate immigrants. But then again, is that fair? Some on the left go straight for the claim that they are not really black or not really Asian, which also seems very, very wrong to me. They are black or Asian. They just happen to disagree with other black or Asian people. As someone who likes diversity of thought in principle, I see honestly nothing wrong with that. And so I find myself in the middle, like I do at most times of my life. both sides and wondering how we got here. Is it as simple as those on the left see it? Unrepresentative traitors being used by white people to promote a racist cause? Or is it as the right see it? An emerging force of ethnic minorities sick of the woke ideology and standing up for proper conservative values which are valid and actually widely held? Often they're just too scared to say what they think because of the backlash and slurs from lefties. Or is it just not that simple? So let's get into the first episode. We will cover the people who lean left socially and economically. That does not always mean that they vote for left-wing parties or agree with everything the so-called left stand for, but on quite a few issues, they lean that way. In general political parlance, we would expect this sort of person to think that having our first Asian prime minister signaled significant progress. So it will be really interesting to hear what they think. in the same politics group, a politics group which I was invited to by an old university friend. It mainly discusses British politics and I was really impressed by the types of arguments Ni made. I think he's probably slightly further to the left than I am, but I love people with different opinions to me and I really respected the way that he crafted his arguments. So I thought this would be a really good opportunity to get to know him better and find out about what he thinks about having another Asian man like himself another South Asian man like himself in charge of the country. Have a listen. So my name is Neeraj, or Nee for short. I'm 30 years old. I work in management consulting, but specifically in public sector. So I work for different public sector clients around government, helping them deliver projects and, and, and change transformations. My family are Indian on both sides. My mum was born in, in northern India in a city called Lucknow and moved to the country when she was 12 or so. My dad's side were born in East Africa. So oh. my dad was born in Tanzania and moved across to London again when he was about 12 or so. So not a super dissimilar background to Rishi Sunak. I know, this is like, you're the perfect person to interview. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so how do you view yourself? Do you see yourself as British? Do you see yourself as Asian British? Do you see yourself as an immigrant, second generation immigrant? I'm just interested in to how, how, as to how you define yourself. Yeah, I think growing up, I very much saw myself as British and I, and I still do. 
I think growing up, I had a bit of a, a chip on my shoulder about not really identifying with being Indian or being Asian. And I think part of that was trying to fit in. Part of that was not re-identifying with the Indian community who lived in the area of London that I live, I grew up in in Harrow. But I think over time, as I've become more aware of race issues and immigrant rights and things, I identify slightly more with that term and being a second generation immigrant because I kind of see how important it is to have that understanding and pride. Sure. And how did your, what were the political leanings of your parents? Were they quite left-wing, right-wing? Did they switch? Did they change? Did they kind of inform you as to what their political views were when you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. I think they're both quite open-minded and I'd say probably centre-left. Both have kind of quite a strong social awareness and kind of definitely expose these, have these principles of, of being really caring about the people around us in society and helping those who are less fortunate. I don't think that either were both I don't think either of them were ever specifically you know, involved or that they followed politics yeah. that closely, but definitely instilled those kind of slightly more lefty values. Centre left. Okay, perfect. And how would you say, what are your political leanings? How do you normally vote or what parties do you identify with more? So I'm a, I'm a member of the Labour Party. So right. Labour has kind of has always been my, my political home. That I feel like nowadays there's kind of more granularity to, to how you identify within the Labour Party. And I'm not sure I have a, a straight answer for that yet. <laughs> Um, probably slightly more on the left of the party. Um, sure. so I was careful who I say that to. Yeah, <laughs> great. So when Rishi Sunak became prime minister then, especially as someone who comes from a similar-ish background to him, and he also obviously sees himself as British, and he is, how did that make you feel? Did you look at that and say, okay, this shows that Britain has really progressed because, you know, maybe you didn't think that it was possible for us to have an Asian prime minister? Or did you think, actually, this doesn't tell us anything really about what's going on with race relations in the UK? How did you feel about it? So I had kind of an my immediate gut response. Uh, and, you know, as, as you know, I'm quite close in following politics. I'm yeah, maybe sl- sometimes slightly too close to it to take a step back and understand the wider context. And my initial gut response was kind of seeing this uh, extremely privileged, extremely wealthy, uh, neoliberal right winger becoming prime minister. And no, none of those things are things that I identify with necessarily. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I didn't have that immediate sense of oh, I'm, I feel represented. But then I did then you know force myself to take a step back and be like, no, this is significant. This is. This is something real. This is, you know, for, for a country that what was it, 70 years ago ruled yeah. over India as, a, as colonial overlords, to yeah. now have a to now have an Indian ethnicity prime minister is significant. Yeah. But then kind of there, there's also that wider context of well, how has he become prime minister? Who is he? What's his journey been? What how does he define himself and how is that part of the story as well? Because that needs to be taken into account before we draw any broad conclusions, I think. Sure. And how do you feel about sort of someone like Rishi Sunak, the way that he speaks, obviously, the schools that he he went to, that you mentioned his privileged background, how much do you think that sort of erases race, as it were? So for people who are, you know, right-wing Tories who we might identify with as maybe being, you know, slightly racist or more aware of those kind of things, it, it seems like once you put you know, once that that Asian person, that black person has gone to Eton and worked in the city and earned millions, it's kind of like the race stuff just disappears. Do do you do you see that at all? Is that is that something that you've noticed or do you think it's more complicated than that? Yeah, so 
I wouldn't necessarily use the phrase erasing his race because I think you know it's important to to kind of hold these different things concurrently. Um, yeah. But yeah, the intersectionality is super super important. So you know, I kind of told told you told you about the background of my parents, but just like Rishi Sunak's parents, you know, they came to this country, uh, worked really hard, and then sent their kids to really posh British public schools. Yeah. Um, as you might be able to tell from the way I talk, like you know, yeah. I went to a pretty similar school to Rishi Sunak. Yeah. And that has so it's kind of had that same impact on, on me, I think, that it's had on him in that because I speak a certain way, because I have a certain background, I have certain friends and circles, yeah. it means that I get perceived in a different way to mm-hmm. someone who has this, exactly the same ethnicity, but has had a very different upbringing and different you know, privileges. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say it erases race, but it definitely is, I think, plays a bigger factor in why, why he's become our prime minister than his ethnicity has at all. Yeah. And then, in fact, it's very, you know, it, while, while it seems shocking to have a, a, an Indian ethnicity prime minister, to have a to have someone of all of other aspects of his background as prime minister, actually incredibly normal. So, how likely do you think it would be for someone like Sadiq Khan to become prime minister? That's a really good question. That's a good way of looking at it because he's obviously, um, I, I think he he wears his ethnicity a bit differently to Rishi yeah. Sunak. Whereas Rishi Sunak absolutely does, you know, acknowledge his ethnicity, but it's not something he emphasizes. Mm-hmm. It's not something that he that informs his policy decisions. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't see himself, I think, as you know, standing up for his 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 ethnic minorities, his or in general, and his, he don't see policies which are about raising the level up of ethnic minorities who uh, who have you know who are underprivileged, who don't have the same opportunities. Whereas for Sadiq Khan, you know, he he, he does talk about racism. That yeah. is something that's 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 important to him, and he does wear that much more openly. So I think Sadiq Khan would, you know, goes with that saying, would never get to that position in the Conservative Party. <laughs> but for, for it was interesting to see within Labour how how well that makes a lot of people in Labour identify with him and feel proud of him, but also yeah. might also cause some issues. I don't know. Yeah, and this is a super interesting thing that I wanted to ask you actually because you went to a, a privileged, you know, private school. I went to a private school. So you went to private school and you're Asian. I went to a private school and I'm black and I'm female. Rishi Sunak went to a private school. And the way that we've kind of turned out with that kind of privilege with the immigrant parents working hard and setting us there is that you're more to the left. I'm in the center and Rishi Sunak is more to the right. So we all, we all had a similar yeah. upbringing. We all came out in sort of slightly different ways. Which leads me to my next question, which is that often I hear the attack from right-wingers is that we, you know, ethnic minorities are expected to vote in exactly the same way and they're expected to have exactly the same views, even though we're all very different people. And the, the you know, three of us have had similar backgrounds come out in different ways. So do you what I want to ask is, do you think that's a fair accusation? Do you think that people on the left or maybe people furthest to the left than you um, can't really accept that ethnic minorities can come out with completely different political views, even if they've had the same sort of background as, as you, me and Rishi Sunak, where the expectation would be that the three of us would all turn out like Rishi Sunak. Um, <laughs> um, but we we haven't. Uh, whereas people who, ethnic minorities who didn't go to private school, who didn't have the privilege that we had, are all expected to vote Labour. And that's the expectation that clearly we're all an example of that not being the reality. So my question is, do you think that's a fair accusation from the right that, you know, left people on the left just assume that we'll all vote the same way when the reality is that we don't? Yes, I think there's a problem in in how we on the left talk about and think about ethnic minorities in in politics. And I think it's because of not fully understanding our emotional response to 
this point of intersectionality that you, that you brought up before. Because when we see ethnic minorities who've made it to high positions, but then they're made to high positions in part because of for class reasons, class privileges. Yeah. And then they get to that position. And especially, you know, in a conservative party where they're appealing to a, a broad base of members and voters who are not a, a very diverse audience, especially in, in the members. And then they come out and then they feel the need to, I guess, represent policies that are specifically not to do with their ethnic minorities. Yeah. And yeah. so you end up having that kind of that, that split, which is why you get this emotional response on the left of like, oh yeah, but they're yeah, they're, they're, they they are from an ethnic minority, but they're not kind of almost saying they're not really. Yes. Or, or literally saying they're not really as kind of Rupert Huck. Um, I was, yeah, I was about to mention that her actually. So, what did you think of that comment actually that Rupert Huck made? Did you think it was silly? Do you think there was a point to it? What did you think? I found that really frustrating because I, you know, she was. I felt like she was about to make a, a point which I really believe in. I find really important, which is that point about bringing in class privilege. And just because he's an, just because someone's an ethnic minority doesn't mean they haven't got privileges from due to their class. Yeah, and then she said, I think she was talking about quasi quatang right, and she was talking about. So, you know, the way he speaks and the way he looks and the way he acts, where he's not really black, where he's not really from an ethnic minority. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's wrong. That's ignorant. That's, yeah, that's racist. I know. Like, this idea that they sh- people should behave in a certain way or speak in a certain way. Yeah. And it was disappointing because she's, you know, I previously thought of her as relatively turned. I know she's, she's a sociologist, but, you know, she's an academic and has a lot of background. So for her to say something like that, I thought was, yeah, was really stupid and was, unacceptable. But there yeah. was that really important point that I, I wish he had made instead. Do you ever think, as an ethnic minority British person, do you ever think, especially from the private school background that we come from, do you ever think that you wouldn't be in certain positions? You've spoken about intersectionality. Do you think that you wouldn't be in certain positions with your job and, and some of the achievements that you've made if you didn't speak in a certain way or have sort of the con you know the class contacts and things like that do you ever kind of because I know I do I've often thought when you know the conversations that were happening around black women in birth um and how we were you know more likely to you know die be treated worse and blah blah and it did really make me think about you know when I had my daughter four years ago I have a white husband and it did make me wonder you know he was there at every appointment you know we were we were together the whole time did that make any impact on how I was treated and added to the fact that I speak in a certain way or you know that sort of thing did that have any impact on the care that I received um it did make me think about that a lot is that something you ever think about consider as well yeah all the time all the time I think I was probably less aware of it when I was younger I question it a bit less but you know I speak in a certain way and people listen often when they shouldn't you know, when I'm talking complete nonsense, when I've got much, I've got much less information yeah. to base things off than other people in the room. I remember, I think the noticing this the first time, most like in the most obvious, like in the most uh, blatant way at university, when I and, and this is again, this is a, not specifically an ethnicity thing, but walking into the, my first class of this of uh, of the year of my university time, and I'd done less reading. Than anyone else there had. I'd spent less time on it, hadn't done homework. And this is the first week, this is a really poor show. And yet I was willing to speak out of the confidence. I was kind of thinking yeah. things through logically and happy to talk in that way. You know, I think the teacher came out of the class being like, oh, yeah, that person's really switched on. He knows what he's doing. He's like, you know, really on it. Whereas 
that's what abs absolutely wasn't the case and I think that's absolutely a common thread in, in my work people listen to me more than they should um <laughs> in my per even in my personal life among people that I, you know, I'm really close to I think people have an overstated view of my intelligence just because of how I how I phrase things how I talk yeah and that's very much a learned skill <laughs> it does private school does give you that you, you learn to wing it a lot more and just have a lot of confidence yeah. um, and then my last question really was about someone like Suella Braverman okay so I'll be honest I, she really it gets to me <laughs> and <laughs> I find I do have a problem with this person this type of figure like the Suella Bravemans the Candy Candace Edwards in America just certain, you know, black or Asian people who it's very difficult for me to disagree with lefties when they say that they might be being used possibly as a as a tool. They seem to be the poster boy of right wingers, especially white evangelical Christian right wingers who love using their poster boy slash girl who's an ethnic minority who basically says all of the stuff they want, but they love the fact as an ethnic minority saying it so that they can say, no, 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 it's not just white people who say this, it's yeah. you know, it's them. At the same time, I'm conflicted about it because I do actually genuinely think she believes that. Genuinely, I, I do. And she's more than entitled to believe that. And you don't have to be pro-immigration if you are yeah. a minority, you do not. And um, emotionally, it makes me feel, I don't understand why you would close up the drawbridge when you benefited from that yeah. system i know for a fact that if immigration laws were not liberal in the liberal as more liberal in the 1980s my parents wouldn't be here thereby i wouldn't be here so i, I can't deny that link but how does someone like suella make you feel as an ethnic minority in britain it's definitely something we've had to ask ourselves a lot right on the, on the, on the last 10 years seeing the succession of uh, people like suella braverman pretty patel who've kind of cosmetically or like seem to have represented um, some of our communities but then gone out there and espoused and pushed policies that have actively harmed our communities in every possible way and there's that feeling like oh but they they're, they're one of us they should understand what it means to be an ethnic minority in the UK understand the challenges understand the benefits that we've had through you know immigration yeah. policies in the past but they don't at all and yeah like, like you said I, I don't think it's a I don't think they're just being, they, they do genuinely have these beliefs and that's what kind of makes it more difficult in a way. And then, they, yeah, like you said. Then. Do you think they see themselves as one of us though? Is that maybe the issue? Because I'm not sure whether she sees herself as, I, I don't know, I don't know how she sees herself. I'm, I'm you know, speculating here, but I would imagine she does see herself as, you know, part of these communities, like just because I know in, in my community, specifically in the East African side of my family, yeah. um, that kind of wider family um, in, in Northwest London where I grew up, a lot of the views that she holds are not rare. Um, right. Kind of thinking about, uh, yeah, so British Indians and their views on other ethnic minorities, their views on newer, you know, first generation immigrants. Mm -hmm. That's kind of small C conservative views of you know are very common in that community and you know I, I imagine you, you feel that's the same way about parts of your community yeah I, I was, I, the other way I thought about it is that perhaps you know her argument is I came here or uh, my parents came here using a legal route mm. um, and we came here you know legally and using the right pathway where yeah. 
these people over here that I'm talking about that I don't like, they are yeah. coming the wrong way and therefore they should be punished, which I understand. But where I don't really understand it is, especially if you're an East African or of Asian descent coming from somewhere like Uganda, where essentially you were fleeing, uh, yeah. you mean, um, that's sort of the same, it could be seen as similar. <laughs> Um, so that I find a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm hoping that when I talk to the right wingers on the other side, um, they're going to shed some light on this for me. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to listening to the rest of it. Um, I think, yeah, that, that point around legal, illegal routes is mm-hmm. is definitely a justification for a lot of, of kind of more right wing beliefs and policies. This, I just feel like this is a, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine, but like how our, our media, you know, right, but also centre and even left, yeah. Um, kind of fail to represent this the context of this legal versus illegal routes conversation and point out that yes you know boat crossings might have gone up but that's not because immigration is higher than it's ever been before it's no. just that the government's closed off the legal routes so there's no other way um there is you know coming to this country in any form to claim asylum is legal and, and just because you close off the, the the normal routes means that people end up taking incredibly dangerous routes yeah. to legally claim asylum. And, you know, we know the statistics, right? Home Office says 70, 80 something percent of, of asylum claims are successful. They are genuine refugees. Yeah. Um, so all the stuff about single males coming over here for economic or criminal reasons is just, yeah, just noise. And this is genuinely my last question. So what would true representation or true progress um racially look like to you in the upper echelons of British political society what would that look like to you that's a really good question um a difficult one there's a lot to that <laughs> I think you know can it, there's a there's the initial cosmetic thing of saying you know, we want to have more people from our communities representing us um you know the, the Tory party done kind of amazingly in that ex- to, to an extent in, in cabinet but still as a party, you know, numbers are fairly low. I think, um, I was looking this up before, I think five, 6% of the of Tory MPs are from ethnic minorities. Yeah. Um, I think for Labour, that's about 20%. Yes. Perhaps. Um, so there's quite a big difference there. But then I think the, the key, now that we're getting more representation in terms of numbers, I want to see people who actually are not just there representing us because of who they were, how they were born, but also representing us there because they're representing our interests and they're interested in actual structural change that that encourages inclusion encourages diversity you know genuine change rather than just the fact that they're there which yes it is technically representation but it's not it doesn't make us a fairer and more equitable society and you can kind of compare the you know we've, we've had such an ethnically diverse cabinet in the last year mm-hmm. um but if you look at the way they they wear that compared to, you know, leaders in other countries like Obama, obviously he's been a big comparison to Rishi Sunak, Varadkar in, in Ireland, who are, who are ethnic minorities who've been elected up to the highest offices in their, in their countries, and then have stood up there and talked about racism, talked about diversity, talk, you know, talked about police violence or diversity in the service, or whatever it is, they've done something with that. As a British Indian, I feel more represented by Obama than I do by Rishi Sunak. old school friend of mine 
And when we were at school, we were both the centrists. I think we both voted Lib Dem and we had very, very similar views. Rich now lives in America and works for a tech firm. And I really wanted to speak to him to get the American perspective, i.e. what it's like when you're a Brit, an ethnic minority Brit, and you leave to go to America. What does Britain look like from the outside? What do we look like from a sort of American point of view? So it was really important that I challenged him. Have a listen. Hi, my name is Richard Kessinger. I work in integrity operations for a large uh, tech company. So I was born in, in East London to a uh, white British father and to a mother who is um, Turkish-Armenian. I spent a lot of uh, my early childhood in, in Istanbul, Turkey, actually, and Turkish was my first language. You know, was, was really raised in, in, in the UK, in Southwest London, and made my way to Texas uh, about six, coming up on six years ago now um, with, with my work. Um, I have fully, fully integrated, or at least I'm trying to fully integrate in, into the culture with the barbecue and the cowboy boots and all that <laughs> fun stuff. Are you on your way? Do you have like a green card or are you on your way to getting like an American? Do you want American citizenship? Do you want to fully do you want to fully go over to the dark side, Rich? <laughs> it would be nice to have voting rights here. So the last the last election I voted in in the UK was the uh, 2019 general election. And now because I haven't because I've been away from from the UK for so long, I've lived in Dublin, Ireland. I've lived in uh, Istanbul, Turkey. I don't have the right to vote there anymore. <laughs> so I'm kind of in this limbo. So, yes, I'm, I'm working on my green card. Some happy news I just actually proposed to, to, to my girlfriend, my fiance. Oh, and um, so, so hopefully that'll speed things up. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, that's great. Congrats. I'm really into giving people marriage advice and tips and wedding advice. I might have to hit you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a whole other section on that. That's fine. Okay, so um, what I wanted to ask you was when you saw from abroad in Texas that um, your mother country, the UK, had an Asian prime minister. Rishi Sunak, did you think that that was an indication of how far the UK had come in terms of race relations? Or did you think it was a bit more complicated? Or as other people have said to me, they didn't think it was indicative at all. Where are you on that spectrum? <laughs> well, I think the first thing I say is that I was I was not surprised that he didn't go through in the first um, contest. And then we got Liz, Liz Truss, who, you know, was probably one of the worst, one of the worst prime ministers in, in British history. I mean, um, you know, totally, totally tiny tenure. So maybe, maybe a little hard to judge. But, um, you know, when, when, when the results came out, I, I wasn't surprised that the kind of um, Tory party membership didn't vote for a, you know, a brown Hindu man. Um, I do feel that, you know, he was kind of like the, the last option. It was either him or, or Boris again, perhaps. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> So you're like, mm, I'm not quite sure that this is necessarily an endorsement of him. Okay, so what I would put to you um, is that when first in the first round, when it was tight between all of the candidates, it, and looking at a lot of the polls, Kemi Badenoch actually was super, super high in terms of her head-to-heads with everybody. She was coming up on top, which for me was terrifying, but... <laughs> <laughs> but this was a black female who was literally outdoing every single one. And that's with the same Tory party members that you've just said, you know, wouldn't have voted for the brown man. And somebody else has told me as well. So I'll just put that to you. What do you think that is? Because they were they seem like they were quite content to to put forward to vote for a black woman as long as as long as that black woman said what they wanted to hear. 
Mm -hmm. I think times have definitely changed. You know, this is not the Tory party of, you know, the 1960s or 70s, right? Or, or even before then. Um, so I think it is indicative, indicative of, a, of a kind of a, a loosening up of, 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 you know, race or ethnicity being a kind of preeminent deciding factor. I mean, I think we've seen a gradual kind of shift in, in, in um, the, the character and, and, and background of our prime ministers, you know. And do you think, you have you seen any... Because I know Trevor Noah was, um, mm. everyone went batshit crazy at Trevor Noah for even suggesting that there was a racial backlash towards Rishi Sunak. And he actually, Trevor Noah managed to unite all parts of Twitter. I saw people who are super lefty and liberal saying, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. we're not like you guys. We know what, there's been no backlash about Rishi Sunak being prime minister. Um, did you think, I'd be really interested to hear what your thoughts are about that. Is there like a misconception in America about how we, how Brits deal with race? Or do you think that was a misunderstanding? What was your kind of view about that, that, that argument? It's an interesting one. Um, I think it speaks to maybe the, the, the American focus uh, being much more on, on, on race relations, um, whereas, I, whereas I think the British kind of uh, focus is maybe best better categorized as a focus on um, class. Um, and so that is, that is something that is, you know, typically left out of American um, commentary. And it's something that, you know, when I'm having conversations with my, with my American friends that I have to really take some time to lay the groundwork. It's like, hey, actually, in the UK, like class is 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 often much more of a deciding factor um, for these kinds of things than 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 race is alone. Um, though, of course, there are you know, from an intersectionalist point of view, there are multiple there are multiple layers to identity, and they all kind of they they all can play a, a part. So, when you explain that to your American friends, how do do they get that? That we're how do you explain that to them? Because I'm fascinated by that. But that actually, you know, Richie Sunak, who's from Eton, and mm -hmm. <laughs> who went to Eton, and you know, comes from that sort of background, and had you know, went to bank, worked in banks, and speaks a certain way. A lot of British people would go, oh, exactly like me. Don't care what color you are, like me. I want that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely alien. You know, actually, it's funny. We were we were watching the, the new series of The Crown yesterday, and the, the young Prince William just um, signing on for it. And you know, my fiance was was asking, what, what, "What's the big deal?" And I had to really explain to her that like this is, you know, kind of a the, the analogy I use. It was kind of like Hogwarts, right? But instead of being for wizards, it's for it's for the political and, and kind of financial elite. That's a good example. That is a good example. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's not something that I think is is naturally understood, um, and it's there are there are there are certainly analogies here. Like you know, you have Ivy League universities, and the kind of the connections that you can make at these universities are, are not totally um, dissimilar from from you know Oxbridge kind of um, uh, graduate networks. Um, but I think it's much more ingrained in the UK from from you know even going back to you know primary schools in some cases. So do you think someone like Trevor Noah would have? expected that there would have been a backlash against Rishi Sunak because in America there was obviously a backlash to Obama which we then saw in yeah. subsequent Donald Trump so mm -hmm. do you think that there's an assumption there or do you think he just misread it or what do you think happened yeah I think there is an assumption and I, look I don't think he's to I don't think he's totally incorrect you know I think the Tory party is in a really weird place right now like they've gone for what four or five prime ministers in the in the last you know five or six years it, let's 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 wind back to like 2010. Like, could, could we see someone like Rishi Sunak? I think you know, independently in a in a kind of from scratch election, coming up and and, and winning. I, I I don't think so. But, you know, especially because the 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 kind of 
leadership um, is decided by such a small portion of the country, which tends to be disproportionately older, disproportionately white. Um, so that's, you know, those are the kind of um, things that, that we see. I don't think we're going to see as much open kind of racist backlash to, to, to someone like Rishi in the UK, though, you know, it's been a while since I've lived there. So if this is something <laughs> that, that, that is being, that, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, Obama was, Obama continues to be, you know, this this kind of pariah figure for for, for many on on the right um, and, and much of kind of middle white America. Um, you know, a, a huge a huge portion of that is race. And it's still, you know, something that that gets that gets referenced. I mean Trump in his uh, announcement speech a couple of days ago was very careful to always refer to him as Barack Hussein uh, Obama and you know the, the kind of the racial background of, of, of him is is something that is front and foremost. Horrifying, horrifying. I can't, I can't deal with it. When you see someone like Suella Braverman has a dream about putting immigrants back on, illegal immigrants back on the plane, mm-hmm. uh, do you think I, I've struggled with Suella Braverman because the way I see it, I have immigrant parents and I don't feel like I would be British or in Britain if there weren't certain liberal, more liberal immigration policies that allow them mm-hmm. to get a job, a little bit like what you're doing in Texas, allows you to get a job there, stay there and then become the citizen. And so I don't see how Suella Braverman can't make that link either. The only way I've come to understand it is that she thinks that there are deserving immigrants and then mm-hmm. undeserving immigrants mm-hmm. so she's a deserving immigrant as in you and i are deserving immigrants but there are bad immigrants over there the illegal ones mm-hmm. and it seems like quite a binary choice so i'm wondering i feel like a similar debate is happening in america definitely bad immigrants as in the illegal mexicans over there mm-hmm. and then good ones so i'm just interested how you see the similarities between what's happening where you are especially in texas and and what's happening over here yeah definitely a lot of similarities there's there's this kind of thing you know phrase about shutting the door behind you right um and it's something that i think has been used in, in reference to, to sweller braverman braverman um and it's certainly used um to certain uh, immigrant populations in here in the us so a good example of that is the kind of the miami cubans um so it's a latino population right who um, in the last election, you know, overwhelmingly voted Republican and voted for, you know, stricter, stricter rules on immigration, despite them being, you know, at, at most second or third generation uh, immigrants themselves. So it, it is it is a really interesting distinction. There is, I think, a sense of, you know, I made it, I did it the right way. I deserve to be here, but but everyone else isn't. And I do think it plays into, again, it's a bit about social status, right? Um, you know, when you have established immigrant populations which are at equal or even higher and some of these higher you know status than, than than the rest of the population you know there is this kind of sense i think that i'm on this pedestal and everyone else coming coming behind me you know they don't they don't deserve to be here but then there's this i'm super interested in the equivalent of our kemi badenoch but i'm mm-hmm. kind of feel like a candace owens but i feel like candace owens is more extreme yeah. she's more extreme mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that actually, look, there is plurality of thought within black people and ethnic minorities. We don't all have to think the same. That's ridiculous. Actually, we're doing quite well. You can be rich. You can be successful. Look, here's all these successful people. Do you think that someone like Candace Owens or Kemi Badenoch have a point 
when they say that actually, look, all black people don't have to think the same. All ethnic minorities don't have to think the same. There's plurality of thought. We can be right wing and black. It's not because we're being used as a puppet. We actually genuinely have these beliefs. Beliefs. And if you don't think we can have these beliefs, you're being racist towards us because actually we're not a monolithic group. So really interesting what you were saying about um, Hispanics as well. Although there seems to be in America, there's a seems to be an actual political reason why Cuban Americans would vote differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So there's more of a background to that. But as a general thing, I do find myself having some sympathy with that view that look, we're not all one monolithic group and you can be very right wing and an ethnic minority if you want to. Do you think there's any there's any justification in that or any sense in that? I think I think certainly um, I, I think yeah there's, there's there's no such thing as a monolithic voting block um, I mean and, and if you look at the Latino vote I think you're you're exactly right there are you know a myriad of, of, of kind of historical and political nuances to why Miami Cubans are, are, are voting Republican you know if you look at somewhere like the south of Texas um, with, with with Hispanic populations who live across the border they also interestingly tend to tend to vote more more Republican as well and again that's that's probably because they are you know immigration. Um, and including in, you know, illegal immigration is, is much more in their face. Um, yeah. what, what I think is interesting is when we, when we think about like in-groups and out-groups and, and the kind of the dynamics of, you know, extreme right-wing um, ideologies, it, it starts as perhaps a broader church than, than it inevitably ends up in. And I think there's some interesting analogs which we can look at in the Republican Party today in the USA in terms of, um, you know, gay Republicans, LGBTQ Republicans. Um, there was a really, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a there's there's a there's there's a pretty big um, you know uh, 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 kind of sub subgroup. I'm trying to remember the name of the something lodge. I'm gonna look them up. Yeah, there there was an article that you know that I read recently about um, specific Texas gay Republicans complaining that you know despite all their efforts and and you know their their, their total you know commitment and belief in the, in the kind of the general party lines that they they still don't feel accepted and 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 welcome. And there's this other kind of phrase or kind of concept about the, the leopard eating face party. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with this, but it's but it's basically, you know, the idea is that people vote for the party, which is, you know, leopards going to eat your face. And then they're surprised when the leopards actually end up eating their faces. Um, and I think as as these parties become, you know, maybe perhaps larger and more successful, they, they, they constantly need to find in-groups and out-groups to, to, to maintain their, their power and their purpose. And that inevitably leads to minority groups being excluded and, and, and in worst case scenarios, you know, the, the, the real uh, far end of, the, of, of a fascist kind of um, government, you know, you see. Yeah, exactly. persecution and, and, and death. <laughs> so when I had a, I when I my first interview I did with an Asian guy who has a very similar background to Rishi Sunak, and he said he actually felt more represented by someone like Barack Obama than he does mm. by Rishi Sunak because of the way that Barack Obama. So he I like the phrase he used, which is sort of wears his race, as mm. in talked about it. Whereas for Rishi Sunak, it doesn't even feel like a a thing. It's like. Mm-hmm thing do you do do you have some sympathy with that view and when because you were there were you in texas during the obama years for any of it i i moved here uh during the trump administration oh you you just that numpty (laughs) (laughs) as a a brit living in america would you say the same thing that you'd feel more represented by having barack obama as a as a president than having rishi sunak as a prime minister i mean yes but not not because of 
anything to do with, with race or ethnicity. I think it's it really comes down to, to to their kind of political leanings and their and their policy making. You know, I think a, a, a really good example again on this is is, is looking at beyond race and looking at um, gender. A lot of people were really really upset, you know, that Hillary Clinton couldn't couldn't be. Uh, president and yeah, to be honest, my, myself included, a lot of that reason for the upset is because you know they thought that this, there was a glass ceiling that just couldn't be broken. But then you know I I, I think back to, you know, to the UK and the fact that we've already had a, a British uh, a prime minister in Margaret Thatcher, and you know it's not necessarily something to get excited for in and in and of itself. And we're seeing similar dynamics play out in Italy now with a with a literal neo-fascist. Yeah. Uh, person who who happens to be a woman, I don't think my Italian friends are feeling particularly more represented um, by that, based mostly on their on their political leanings. Yeah, that makes sense. So my last question: What would um, real representation look like to you in the UK if you don't feel like Rishi Sunak is it Rishi Sunak and Suella and Preeti and Quasi Quarteng and Kevin Bannock? If that doesn't look mm. like you know, representation to you as an ethnic minority who, who lived in the UK, what would proper representation look like? I think, you know, the, you need to have a real uh, element of inter- intersectionality. So, you know, if, we're, if, if, if I want to feel represented by, you know, a brown person in power in the UK, I, I would look to them having a similar, you know, socioeconomic background as, as, as myself, and then using that, that background as the basis for their, for their policy making. I think it, it really does come down to that. You know, when we talk about representation as a political concept, it's like, are these people advancing, you know, the, the kind of the policies that, that I think will benefit me, that will benefit society writ large? And I haven't been able to, you know, confidently answer that question with a, with a yes for, for, for Sunak or for, for, for others, um, even here in the, in, in the, in the U.S. <laughs> Reed is a thought leader, TED speaker, writer and producer. She's often described as a force to be reckoned with and Nova uses her background in mental well-being to encourage meaningful change from the inside out. Through her impactful advocacy and powerful public speaking, writing and storytelling, she has become renowned as an agent of change, selected as one of Black Magic Network's top 100 Black British women and receiving a precious award for social impact. Nova's sought-after online academy, Becoming Anti-Racist with Nova Reid, and best-selling debut book, The Good Ally, have consistently been described as life-changing. So it was obvious as to why I wanted to interview Nova. Nova's been a really good friend of mine for years since we were part of a gospel choir together, which was a lot of fun. And I wanted to get her thoughts about what she thought about Rishi Sunak and especially in light of her experiences and work on diversity and race issues, I was really, really interested to see how she viewed the entire subject. So have a listen to our conversation and see what you think. My name is Nova Reed. I do many things. Um, I think I'm most known for, well, firstly, I'm a human being. I think people forget that. (laughs) Um, But I'm most known for um, being an anti-racism educator. Some people call me an activist. I'm an author of of the book, The Called 
a book called The Good Ally, which is a guided anti-racism journey from bystander to change maker. I am a TED speaker. I um, have a professional background in mental health, so I care a lot about mental well-being. I am a wife. I am cheeky. I am mischievous. And I care deeply about human beings as much as they get on my last nerves sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I have lineage lost to slavery. So yeah. where are you from question is loaded for me. Everybody um, is Jamaican heritage. So my mum is a uh, Windrush child. Um, she was born in Jamaica and ended up coming to the UK uh, following her parents when she was a young teenager. My dad's parents also Jamaican, but my dad was born and raised in Highgate in Londinium, so he's a North Londoner. Yeah, and yeah. then we, my my brother and I, we were born um, in Hertfordshire. So when we were born in Hertfordshire, it was very white. It's changed mm. a lot now. Watford, Hertfordshire, to be specific, it's changed a lot from when when we were there growing up as as you know one of very few, I say black families, but families of any kind of color. But yeah, Caribbean, British Caribbean, Jamaican Caribbean. Okay, so when you vote normally, how do you normally vote? Would you say you're left leaning, right leaning, in the middle? You you change depending on who's in power, or do you not vote at all? Or what, what... All, all of the above. <laughs> Um, mostly generally left leaning Mm -hmm. um but in recent years I'm not even voting at all okay interesting why is that because I can't stand it can't can't stand any of them um I (laughs) (laughs) I think no to be serious I think you, you know you're asking people to vote for a system that isn't I believe is inherently flawed when was the year when when all of the other we had conservative and then we had all the other parties almost form a, a coalition? Yeah, twenty ten, twenty ten coalition. Oh, yeah. so I feel like not long after that, um, I struggled to find, it, it, I I struggled to feel an integrity with a vote for Labour. Fine, okay, it's very yeah. interesting. So, my main meaty first question is: so when Rishi Sunak became prime minister. Did you feel that that was an indication of how far we have come in terms of race relations in the no. UK? Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or were you actually not that impressed? You don't think it's that indicative? So I'm just wondering how indicative do you think us having our first Asian prime minister is of what it says about race relations in the UK and whether we've progressed, whether we've gone backwards? What, what do you think? Well, firstly, he wasn't voted by the public. Um, and I think if, if that was a public vote, the, the, it would be very, very different. But we also have to remember, like, it it, it was it, before Liz Trust had her fleeting skin oh, as a prime minister, it was between the two of them. Now, on paper, Rishi clearly is the more credible and more skilled candidate at being a prime minister and more experienced candidate at being prime minister than Liz Truss simply on paper yeah um but we you know the the nuances of how racism shows up is that they would rather have somebody who is less skilled Mm. um and more white than to have somebody who's more skilled and asian than take over so then what happens is it's absolutely diabolical it's even worse okay let's get let's get let's get the asian in to come and clean up the mess and that often happens with people of color in right i would say more right-leaning positions of influence they're brought in to clean up the mess and to 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 try and 
deal with a diabolical situation even Liz Liz was put in a situation that was just diabolical and then it can and then and then it confirms a bias oh, well actually they're not good enough I will actually um it was the worst it was the worst period of time we've ever had a prime minister and the prime minister was Asian so I there's there's a number of things for me one he wasn't it wasn't a public vote and two it was as a consequence of actually this has been absolutely diabolical so it can't be any worse if we get him in can it <laughs> and what do you think about someone like Kemi Badenoch because oh. Kemi Badenoch <laughs> Kemi Badenoch is even more right wing than Rishi Sunak, yes. and there were well, a lot uh, of, outwardly, 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 yeah, and there were a lot of rumours that actually, well, not not just rumours, there were lots of statistics and and um, and stats that said that actually Kemi Badenoch was even more popular than any of them with with the Tory uh, voter base, partly because of what she was saying. So yeah. when they put her in lots of head to heads with whether it was Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak or anyone. She was topping the bill. She was doing extraordinarily well. Mm. And she's black, but because of what she was saying, she was extremely popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, just what happened? If she was extremely popular, why? What happened? Because she didn't make it to the last two. She didn't make it to the last two. She got with the, she's not as popular with, yeah. she wasn't as popular with Tory MPs. So she didn't get down to the last two. She came very close. But if she had got down to the last two, a lot of the head to head said that she essentially would have mm. beaten all of them. Yeah, because with the Tory party membership, she was super popular. Yeah, yeah, okay. But not so much with the MPs. No. <laughs> so I'm just that's, wondering that's about the that. Is, there. Yeah. That's the nuance yeah. there I missed. So yeah. thank you for, for giving me yeah. clarity there. See, I learn all about politics from you, say. I mean, uh, Kemi, Kemi Bazanok, I... Uh, you know, this is this is the thing, like, we're, I, somebody like me who, who works in anti-racism and who, who cares deeply about seeing an end or at least seeing a, a massive reduction to, to systemic racism in particular, you know, part of what we're advocating for is that we remember that black people are not a monolith and that we're able to have our own ideas and thoughts and, and yes. you know, made as full human beings. And that sometimes means that people are assholes or that, that people hold different <laughs> political views for you. And so for me, it's holding the tension of that. But I'm always the way I bring it back to the works. Like if, you know, any government should be acting in the interests of all people, mm-hmm. not just those that look like them or, or come from the same socio-economic background um and the conservative government has historically not been a party that looks out for all it hasn't there's so much there is so much history human rights infringements you name it that Mm -hmm. have that have happened under the conservative government and so I think if you've got anybody being a pawn for the continuous systemic harm towards a, a group of people um we can't celebrate that like whether she's whether she's black or not uh, and whether she's in a position of power or not like what what does she represent what are the what are the policies that she's standing behind is she advocating to reduce systemic harm yeah. and 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 i can't say that she is so therefore i will i will absolutely challenge anybody who who thinks that the binary of well, well, we've got all these people in the Conservative Party who are black and brown. Look how progressive we are. Like it's bullshit. If all the people in the in the government uh, in the Conservative government are black and brown, are continuing to uphold systemic discrimination or or infringe on human rights, that's not something to celebrate. They're just there as a pawn to uphold whatever was in existence before and and enabled by white people. Do you think it's possible to be right wing and very right wing and be an ethnic minority? 
So I mean, it's possible because yes, it's ha- there's clearly lots of people who are. Yeah. <laughs> but do you, see as, do you see it as a legitimate, a legitimate belief system? I.e., Kerry Badnock, she doesn't, she doesn't believe there is systemic racism, right? So she, she'll, she'll come out and say, she, I don't all this stuff that you're talking about about structural racism. I, I think it's holding people back. You need to just understand that we progress, move on, work hard, get on with it. Not a problem. It's only a problem if you make it a problem. Do you, do you see that as a legitimate way of viewing it or I mean that's not a legitimate way of viewing it because she's ignoring the data she's ignoring the evidence she's ignoring history she's just showing her historical illiteracy she's just showing that she's she's either manipulating the data to say a certain thing like she like anybody who argues with fact is a problem for me you can you can you know you can speak about the facts and talk about why you struggle with them or or you know why you might might want to approach something from a different angle but you can't ignore the facts and and she is somebody who ignores the facts so I can't engage in any meaningful or emotionally intelligent way with anybody who's going to ignore basic facts you can't move forward (laughs) do you have any sympathy with the view that I'm playing devil's advocate here that 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 someone like Kemi Badnock would make which is that the more that we focus I've heard of saying this sort of the more we focus on race, the more that we make it an issue, it becomes a bigger thing. And also her other argument, which is that she feels discriminated against because she doesn't feel that people accept that she can be right wing and black, that there's an expectation that she can't be right wing and black and so she says she gets abuse for it and that mm-hmm. black people make fun of her like I've seen and I'll admit mm-hmm. I have laughed at some of the some of the Twitter comments on her on her page that you know sort of make fun of her plats and say you know they're not done well enough or you know go, keep, you know, go and get a black beer buzzer to do that and I and I can't I can't deny I have sniggered I have sniggered mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she would she would argue that that type of you know, petty picking at her because, you know, I don't, I or someone else might not like what she says is me mm-hmm. and, and it is nasty. Me. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Like, she's right in that respect. Like, we can't be asking to be, like, I, I the way I frame anti-racism is, is to, to put it loosely, is that we, we, we've forgotten how to treat one another with basic human dignity, care and respect. So, you know, on, you know can we ask that, you know, we people who believe the data and believe the historical significance of our history and and how that correlates now in terms of social outcomes, impact, discrimination, are asking that people who are Black are treated with basic dignity, care and respect, that that applies to all Black people, even if they've got right-wing views. It it, it does. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be holding people who are Black who are spouting harmful ideas and ideology accountable it doesn't mean that we don't hold accountable but how do we do that in a way where we don't dehumanize them I'm very much about that and sometimes like it's it feels like betrayal because you're like you're doing all this work to to minimize the impact of racism on everybody Mm -hmm. um and then you have you then you have people from within the black community upholding it and so it's painful it's painful Um, and so for me, it's like holding all of those things as truths as once. Um, yeah. But I think we can definitely hold people accountable in those positions and challenge thought with fact yes. in a way that is strident and in a way that is is respectful. But also this is bullshit and this isn't OK without denigrating them personally. I think it's possible. It is I also understand hard. how hard it is. Yeah. yeah. And what would you yeah. say to people like, you know, because I 
I, I see myself as someone who's kind of in the middle, but there are lots of people like me, black people who you know went to private school, quite privileged in that in that in that department and given that kind of education work in certain circles who you know uh, Kemi Badnock, Rishi yeah. Sunak would all say you know we've done very well in this country we're yes. black, we're Asian we earn a lot of money we our parents yeah. have private schools we're doing well we don't actually want anyone to tell us that things are not going well we don't want to be pitied we don't see ourselves yes. you know struggling what you know what's the issue just you know every if everyone just worked hard like us then there would be no issue. Uh, do you have any sympathy for th- that type of, because there seems to be more of those, more and more of that type of black or ethnic minority person coming up. There's some in America as well, like Candace Owens, who is saying, well, she's very extreme, but saying, you know. Very. I don't yeah, know how we've got very, onto her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the general theme is we're not suffering. So stop telling. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this, this to me again, like anybody who genuinely wants to reduce racism will not be a barrier for it and will be able to recognize the difference between their individual personal and professional advancement and systemic issues so just because an individual black person is advancing and is wealthy like that doesn't mean that all of the data that shows that there is disproportionate health outcomes for black women who are four four times more likely to die in childbirth or black men who are disproportionately imprisoned or black people who are disproportionately sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Wealth privilege means that there is a certain protection to systemic barriers, but it doesn't mean that you're immune from experiencing systemic racism. And And also a lot of us have had the programming that we need to work twice as hard. So, like, of course, there's black people advancing. Like, why wouldn't we be? Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with us. <laughs> like, and also, like, it's not new. Historically, there were, there was always a, a a black middle class and a black, the, you know, a, a growing black elite of of yeah. black people who were in their own businesses or who were in elite circles, yeah, or or even in royalty. So, none of this is new. Yes, but it doesn't delegitimize attempts to actually say we still have a systemic issue. There are still a lot of people who were disproportionately impacted by systemic racism as a result of the historical significance of Britain's global role in the transatlantic slave trade and the fact that when reparations were made, they went to slave-owning families, money, compensation for uh, their loss of property when the slave trade was abolished, went to white families who owned enslaved people, not to the Africans who were enslaved themselves. And that debt was so large that we as British taxpayers didn't finish paying it off till 2015. So, of course, that is going to have an impact on Mm -hmm. social economic standing or on the ethnicity pay gap. Like these things are true at once. There are black people who are advancing and are very wealthy and are not really impacted by racism or the racism that, that, that they are impacted by is not is not causing social suffering in the way that it's for others. I mean, look at Meghan Markle. Yeah. (laughs) She's at the highest echelon of society in Britain. And one of the reasons that she cited for leaving the UK was the racism. She's in the highest echelon of society. Which someone like, who I'm going to ask you about next, uh, would probably not believe or say that she was making up. So I want to talk about Suella Braverman. Um, Oh, <laughs> because I want to talk about Suella Braverman because she's obviously in charge of the Home Office and she currently has a very, very hostile immigration policy, hostile towards asylum seekers, hostile, just hostile in general. She clearly sees herself as a different type of immigrant to the people who are coming 
on on the boats it's that you know they are asylum seekers and have come here illegally whereas i must i am from the legitimate sort of um immigrants and my parents came legitimately so i'm wondering what you think about people like suella braverman who some on the left of politics would argue is kind of used as a sort of poster girl i.e an an ethnic minority to spout views that are very right-wing and becomes justification for you know right-wingers often white evangelical christians to push their views forward through Suella Braverman or is she actually someone who you know is perfectly legitimate for an ethnic minority you know Asian woman to be anti-immigration it's a legitimate view to hold and actually we should all just leave her alone because that's what she believes and that's what she wants to put forward and she's trying to get rid of illegal immigration well, I, I guess now Suella is somebody I'm less less familiar with, but again, you know, it, it's a similar thing that that you know people who are black and brown and conservative party are generally used as I would I would describe as pawns to spout some really harmful agendas that normally would be spouted by people who are white and they would never get away with it if they were white it's much easier if it comes from a black or brown person because you say well it's not racist because they've said it yeah um, or it's not harmful because they've said it. But like hostile environments orchestrated by the conservative government, again, is not new. Like we go back to the hostile environment, we're still seeing the ramifications of with, that impacted the Windrush generation, the, the laws that were embedded that allowed that. Like it's like none of this is new for me. So what it highlights to me is that there's such a historical illiteracy. Someone like Suella Braverman or Kwasi Kwarteng or, or those, you know, um, ethnic minorities in the Conservative Party would argue that they're actually being discriminated against because people are not accepting that actually they hold these views and not being used as a pawn by anybody else. These are their genuinely held beliefs and that there is diversity within ethnic minorities and they simply, they just don't agree. That's their... Oh, and, and 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 I think, again, it's both. It's both things being true at once. They they may be their, their beliefs for whatever reason. They may be their their genuine beliefs yeah. and expect yeah. to be held accountable for them and expect to be challenged on them again for me the nuance is how do we how do we hold folks accountable and challenge without personally denigrating them in the process so that to me is like it's challenging the idea rather than denigrating the individual yes and my last really important question for you which might take us a little bit of time to dissect is <laughs> do you, what do you think a truly representative racially truly representative racial government would look like what what would the government have to look like for you to say actually this is truly representing ethnic minorities reflecting our views every what would it look like to me it's not just what it looks like it's what it feels like it's what the the what is happening culturally and I think all all politicians get on my last nerves because of the lack of honesty. I really struggle with the lack of honesty and transparency. And I think that's what's needed in order to heal some of the wounds that are in our society and the, the, the fractures that are happening. And, and there needs to be honesty and, and it, it needs to be representative across the board in terms of, or even if it's not entirely representative, like feeding into other experts or organizations where you you're feeding into finding out what people in lower socioeconomic standing are struggling with and what they need and hearing them like having them front and center and not just being represented by a very very narrow group of people 
who are supposed to be advocating for all and, and, and are not. It, it can't just be what it looks like visually. It's got to be, okay, well, what, what are the damn values? <laughs> what are the values? There are none because we've had a bumbling government lie for the past however many years. And like, how can you build trust in any community when, when you can't, when you're just lying? And you, So to me, it's not just about representation. It's about integrity. Yeah. So in conclusion, having Rishi Sunak as prime minister <laughs> and Kwasi Kwarteng as a as a chancellor, as well as Braverman in the Home Office and Priti Patel before her, having seeing all those people, it's not just about seeing them. There's no. got to be a feeling attached to it as well. And there's got to be some meat on the bones, as you say. There's got to be some meat on the bones. And actually, again, it's just looking looking at what it is that they are contributing to. Are they contributing to more suffering to the people who are most marginalized in society or are they actually reducing it and you know we've got the Rwanda policy and this that and the other that that says it all for me about who is representing the country and and who who they care about the most in society. Suella was the one who said that she had a dream about putting all of the other refugees on the plane back to Rwanda she said she had a dream yeah that was nice (laughs) love someone to interpret that (laughs) She invoked the Martin Luther King I have a dream speech Putting putting her refugees on a plane That was so And that's the thing, you know This is human beings we're talking about And that to me is the essence Like we've forgotten um, And that's a problem for me That's a real problem Thank you for listening Thanks to David Backhouse for the theme tune and to Chris Marchand for editing and all the other music. This show only exists because of support from listeners like you. If you have found something we made to be useful, please consider becoming a patron at the Tent Talks Patreon page or leave a good review on whichever podcast platform you use to listen. This really helps. For more information, visit www.tenttheology.com.